This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, Don't uh, wait another second to go to the App Store and download the 77 WABC Radio app because you don't want to miss all of the incredible programming we have here in the most dynamic AM radio show, uh, I should say station, in the nation. Uh, Joining us now to talk about our favorite subject, politics, is Jason Miller. Jason Miller is the communications director and official spokesperson for former president, soon to be uh, the next president, Donald J. Trump. Jason, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Roger, great to be back with you. It's always exciting to uh, to be on the show and try to give folks a little bit of an insight of what's going on behind the scenes with President Trump. And uh, just as we wrap up one crazy week, we're ready for another crazy week. So it's uh, uh, all, all leading up to uh, getting President Trump back into the White House. Yeah, you really have a front row seat in one of the most incredible, counterintuitive, dynamic, presidential campaigns uh, in American history. I mean, I'm a I'm an old timer. I'm a veteran of 13 Republican presidential campaigns, each one of them different. Uh, if you tried to get me to tell you which president was my favorite, I'd still go with DJT. Uh, but uh, you are really, uh, you know, you are really uh, involved in something that could never have been foreseen. By that, I mean... Look, we've had a a president, Grover Cleveland, a New Yorker, ironically, uh, who was elected president, uh, then was turned out of office in a disputed election, uh, and then returned to the White House. So this has only happened once before. But if we go on polling, which is what you and I make our decisions on, it appears to me like it's going to happen again. Well, you're exactly right on that. Give folks kind of a sense of where things are. So in the primary, President Trump is ahead by somewhere between like 53 and 57 points. Like it's a it's a, a pretty big spread uh, with new polling that just came out the other day from Emerson uh, that has President Trump uh, in the mid 50s and uh, Nikki Birdbrain Haley uh, at 8 percent. And then Tiny D, Rob DeSanctimonious, is now at 8 percent also. The reason why this is uh, quite notable is, I mean, this is just a stunning fall from grace for Rob DeSantis to now be down at eight percent, which is just uh, anyway. So that's at the national Republican primary. When you look at the early states, early state voting, uh, most of Iowa, New Hampshire in the 33 to 37 percent range. And then South Carolina, it's somewhere right around 40, 41 percent. So pretty good margins in all the early voting states. So President Trump's in great shape there. When you look to the general election, this, Roger, uh, is where uh, someone like yourself, who's a, a student, has been around to see some of these. When President Trump won 
Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania in 2016. It was the first time in a generation that a Republican had won any of those states. Of course, we know about all the issues that went into 2020. But now as we look at these, not only is President Trump in great shape when it comes to Arizona and Georgia, uh, but when you look at Wisconsin, Michigan and Pennsylvania, particularly Pennsylvania, where he's consistently two to three points ahead, Michigan, where he's pretty consistently ahead by one or two, and then Wisconsin, it's pretty consistently about even or up one, and then Nevada is within the margin of error, one or two points either direction. I mean, as of this moment, even the the biggest skeptic, the biggest naysayer says that President Trump is probably somewhere around 280 uh, electoral votes, so well over the the 270 that you need. Uh, And so politically, everything is going really good for President Trump right now, which, again, Roger, to kind of stick the landing here, that goes to why Joe Biden gave that speech in the Oval Office this last week, because Wag the Dog isn't just a, a crappy movie from uh, back in the was that back in the 90s. Um, it also is real life where Joe Biden is saying, hey, don't look at the 20 percent cumulative inflation. Let's talk about sending more money to Ukraine. Uh, it's really quite extraordinary. These I think these people are prepared to uh, risk World War Three if they think it might get them reelected. I mean, I I read uh, in the. I guess it was the UK Daily Mail, also in the post millennial, uh, that they've already pre-selected 200 uh, US troops uh, to be deployed uh, in Israel. Uh, This is beginning to look to me like we may be headed to an extraordinarily expensive two-front war. Uh, And it's funny because the people who told us, Donald Trump, if he's elected, he'll crash the economy and he'll start World War III. Except for these are the people who appear to me to be preparing to crash the economy and start World War III. What was your overall impression of Biden's presentation from the Oval Office? So as, let's put aside, uh, put aside some of the, the optics of just struggling against the teleprompter. And uh, we know that Biden's not good uh, at 8 p.m. at night. Uh, it's about four hours past kind of his window. They, even his staffers have said he's good between about noon and 4 p.m. So uh, uh, you're kind of um, uh, playing with fire or anything after 4 p.m. for how he's going to do, although in fairness, he's not much better between 12 and 4. But Biden, the, the shorter version of Biden's remarks appeared to be, if you want to stand with Israel, send more money to Ukraine. And it made no sense. If you want to combat anti-Semitism, then let's combat Islamophobia. And then if you really care, though, about the state of Israel, then we need to uh, effectively take a step closer to war with Vladimir Putin. The way that he combined all these issues, and not to mention that this uh, this omnibus foreign aid package he wants to put together is also going to include our border funding. So essentially, uh, President Biden is going to now shift away from dealing with hostages in Gaza to holding the American taxpayers hostage, all with an effort to get money to Ukraine. It's bizarre. It's out of touch. It's a total non sequitur. Uh, these, these, these two are not connected in any way, shape or form. But to your point, he seems hell bent on taking us into, uh, into a global conflict. And I mean, look, Putin's a bad guy. Not someone who you're ever going to catch me defending or saying anything nice about. But I have not seen any report that he had something to do with Gaza attacks on Israel. That was Iran. 
And so why are we dealing, trying to make this a, uh, a multi-front war when this is really about Iran funding Hamas and Joe Biden sending money to both of them? I don't know if there's any connection. It is that the U.S. pressured Israel to send munitions to Ukraine that they probably now wish they had for their own defense. There, there's, there's the only real connection. But they don't seem to learn their lesson. In other words, Donald Trump choked off the Iranian economy, destroyed their oil producing capacity, let it be known around the world that if you buy oil from them, you cannot do business with us. It was extraordinarily effective. He cut off funding for Hamas. He cut off funding for Hezbollah. Uh, his Iran policy was extraordinarily effective. Uh, John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, appears to me to have violated the Logan Act during the four years of the Trump administration while he was trying to re-up the nuclear arms deal that President Trump very wisely killed. Uh, now, in the very next breath, they give the they unfreeze six billion dollars of assets for Iran, which uh, the Wall Street Journal and New York Times even both admit uh, is involved in this Hamas attack uh, in Gaza. Uh, and last night, two nights ago, I guess, uh, Joe Biden announces that we're going to give $100 million in additional, quote-unquote, humanitarian aid uh, to Hamas. These people never seem to learn the lessons. No, they really don't. And the other thing, too, is all of this is going, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum here. This is happening, as I referenced a moment ago, with in the midst of 20 percent cumulative inflation for American consumers since Joe Biden has taken office. We have uh, the highest home mortgage rates in uh, over 20 years, I think, since the year 2000. And Americans are, are suffering. I mean, the uh, Americans are really, really struggling to um, whether just simply the trip to the grocery store to fill up their uh, the gas tank. And the only thing that Joe Biden's doing here is we're, how do we go and send money to other places? And that's where, you know, they try to use a little bit of a fig leaf cover, uh, whether they throw in like, oh, we're going to throw some uh, uh, some money for the people suffering from the fires in Maui uh, or maybe let's go and try to hold. Uh, politically hold hostage funding for the southern border, which, again, is a crisis that Biden created. I mean, there was no border crisis under President Trump and just because of Biden's policies now that now that there is one. Uh, but it, we're, this is into a, a dangerously inept phase of this Biden presidency. And, you know, Roger, a, a smart point that I'd, I'd make for you here is if Joe Biden couldn't even manage a withdrawal from Afghanistan, how would he ever manage a ramp up in other countries? Yeah, you see, I think President uh, Trump's uh, great asset on the world stage was his unpredictability. Uh, Nixon referred to this in his private conversations with Dr. Henry Kissinger as the madman theory. In other words, Henry, you go to Paris and you tell the North Vietnamese, there's no telling what Nixon might do to you. I mean, this guy could use every weapon in the arsenal. Uh, and I think Trump's unpredictability is what kept the Russians out of Ukraine, which kept the Chinese uh, out of Taiwan, 
which kept our enemies uh, in the Middle East at bay. Uh, and Biden is entirely predictable uh, because he pursues a policy of weakness. Uh, if that weakness ultimately ends up uh, with the Chinese moving on Taiwan uh, and giving Chinese pivotal role in the production of, of computer chips, uh, I think that he's going to get an economic downturn, uh, an impact on the country that will make re-election uh, even more difficult. So well, you make, this past, yeah. go ahead. Uh, it's kind of, no, go you, ahead. you make a really good point there because uh, the global markets, and obviously we care about the U.S. market, but in, in a certain extent, it's all interconnected. Markets clench up when there's kinetic warfare. And uh, markets also clench up when there's uncertainty. And there is no certainty in the world with Joe Biden in as the U.S. president. And that means what the interactions are going to be with, uh, with other leaders. And look, there are certain places in the world where there are going to be some bad guys uh, who are in charge of their countries. Uh, but there's an aspect of stability. Markets know how to react to it. People know what to expect, where the investments are going to go, where the trade is going to go, things like that. When it becomes completely unstable and everybody is testing the United States, really started with Afghanistan, because once you lose deterrence, you can't get it back. Like once it's once people realize that uh, that, that there's just there are no repercussions, um, whether it's coming across our southern border, whether it's uh, uh, killing Americans in Afghanistan. They're, they're, you can't put that, that genie back in the bottle. And so we're at a, a state of global uncertainty right now, and it's only going to devolve further. Uh, folks, if you're just uh, tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC Radio. Uh, and we're talking with Jason Miller, uh, communications director and uh, spokesman for uh, President Donald Trump. He has a ringside seat in the most exciting presidential campaign in American history. Uh, it is amazing the way this tsunami of lawfare against the president has fueled his campaign, both in terms of voter support and voter intensity, uh, as well as low uh, and middle dollar fundraising. I really, I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, I predicted back in April uh, that ultimately uh, in multiple jurisdictions, uh, they would seek to gag President Trump because he is so very effective as a counterpuncher uh, and he has uh, used his social media platform, in this case, uh, Truth Social, uh, to uh, lay out who the bad guys are uh, and to lay out the political motives of his various persecutions. Uh, what is your reaction to uh, two things that happened this past week? First, uh, the order by Judge Chutkin in D.C., uh, which gags the president uh, and uh, prohibits him and his supporters. This is, read that part carefully, uh, Jason. Uh, his supporters and family members from commenting on certain aspects uh, of his trial in D.C. And now even more outrageous, in my opinion, uh, the judge in the New York civil trial uh, who is, uh, you know, accused the president of inflating the value of his assets when, in fact, I think 
they were undervalued. Now he's threatening to jail our president. How do you react to all this? And I understand you have to be somewhat judicious in your choice of words. Well, as someone who's been a a longtime advocate of free speech and uh, someone who lived through the 2020 campaign and saw what the, um, uh, I know in the past we kind of jokingly referred to them as the the deep state, which is all fun and games until you realize that it's actually true. They do coordinate and work together on all these these different things. Um, When they suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop scandal that would have led to one out of every seven Biden voter uh, going for President Trump instead. But so right now, the current state of play for either whether it's the president or someone who's uh, closely with him on his team is that we can say anything we want about crooked Joe Biden. We can talk about how he has weaponized the justice system, uh, how he's using his judiciary hitmen uh, to go and attack President Trump. Um, can criticize Merrick Garland uh, by name, and then anything after that, um, boy, better just stay quiet. Uh, which, when you think about it, is it, it's it's really kind of just chilling. I mean, it's um, the way that uh, that free speech is is being attacked here um, is uh, is quite scary. Should uh, should concern anybody uh, who sees uh, what's going on here. And so, um, you know, boy, I, I tell you, it's it's. Um, it's it's shocking. I mean, what do you what do you even say on that? I've never seen anything like this in American political or legal history. Yeah, I've uh, obviously experienced the gag order myself. Was not uh, allowed to defend myself in a D.C. trial in which I was actually convicted of lying under oath to cover up Russian collusion that never actually took place, of which there was no evidence whatsoever. Uh, so I've been in this particular meat grinder. Um, I, just as my opinion as a layman, I think uh, that the gag orders are unconstitutional. I think it constitutes prior restraint on the president's speech. Uh, but at the same time, I do not think you should underestimate uh, the level of hatred uh, and the uh, animus that these prosecutors have for him. Uh, it's bad enough that he has to spend his time in a courtroom when he should be out campaigning. But to his credit, he does not appear to be making the mistake that the great Ronald Reagan made in Iowa in 1980. Uh, Every time I turn around, he's in the first in the nation caucus state of Iowa. That to me shows real important commitment. Well, that's one of the things where, as we're kind of doing our, our, planning meetings or strategic recessions and, and things like that, that he said, look, guys, um, there's no chance that Ron DeSanctimonious or Nikki Burbrain, Haley, or these folks are going to catch us. And you know how we're going to make sure that remains the case? By going to Iowa, by going to New Hampshire, by going to South Carolina, by going to Nevada a lot. And we're going to be there and think he always impresses on us that there's no such thing as prevent defense. Uh, put the pedal to the metal, every uh, analogy that you can think of. And so if anything, with all these other attacks and distractions and things going on in the legal sense, we've actually increased our travel to where over the past six weeks we've been in Iowa every single week. 
which is great. We'll be back in New Hampshire on Monday. I'll be with him. We're going to go turn in our paperwork. Uh, so President Trump will be on the ballot in New Hampshire. And as everyone remembers, that was the first state that uh, he won uh, in 2016. It really kind of was the, the rocket fuel. It was kind of uh, onwards and upwards from there. And then he'll be giving remarks in Derry, New Hampshire. We're really going to go into a, a lot more detail in depth on talking about Biden's speech uh, from the Oval Office. So give you kind of a little bit of sneak preview on some of the uh, some of the remarks that President Trump is, is going to be given here shortly. Um, but uh, we're also now, Roger, in, in a, a political two front war, which actually one of our choosing, uh, which we like to have of taking it to Joe Biden as we kicked off the show talking about the poll numbers and how things are in really good shape for, for President Trump uh, politically in the general election. Biden just continues to to spiral. I mean, his numbers have completely fallen out with African-American voters, Latino-American voters, youth voters. President Trump is winning across the board in all the swing states with independent voters. And people are saying, you know what, inflation is a problem, but also just at a general competence level. President Trump, maybe we like some of the tweets, maybe we didn't like some of the tweets. But guess what? The guy had a great economy. He kept us safe. And the country ran well. Joe Biden, the so-called expert, has been complete chaos ever since he's been in office. And people are just sick of it. Uh, Jason, what is your reaction to the announcement by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. that he will abandon his attempt to wrest the Democratic nomination from Joe Biden uh, and now seeks to run as an independent? So I think it's, I don't know RFK Jr. personally, but kind of an outsider looking in and kind of putting on my political um, kind of uh, pundit hat on here for a moment. Not a smart move, and I'll tell you why. Um, There are a couple of issues uh, where RFK Jr. has kind of endeared himself to kind of counterculture people or people are anti-establishment um, where he has some some good street cred on and he built up uh, some new allies and, and new supporters. But when you then turn your, your guns on, say, President Trump, then you get yourself a whole lot of new enemies. So people start talking about how RFK Jr. wants to literally get rid of the Second Amendment. I mean, he wants the Second Amendment and all guns taken away. Uh, you take a look at the the pretty hardcore eco loon positions uh, the RFK Jr. has, or even got arrested for um, uh, protesting for climate change. And so, whereas he found himself with a whole bunch of new friends on a couple of uh, uh, more uh, libertarian, anti-establishment type positions, now he's positioned himself as an opponent and a political enemy of President Trump's, which, as we know, gets you a whole lot of scrutiny. So I, I think just from the the branding perspective, I don't know if that's necessarily the uh, the smartest thing that he's done. But um, again, since I don't know him at a personal level, maybe he doesn't care. Uh, very, very, very difficult to get on the ballot as an independent. Uh, for people who just think you just wave a wand and you're an independent, it's not that simple. You have to deal with 50 different state laws, state laws that are arcane, complicated, uh, expensive, labor intensive, uh, and uh, very tricky, almost all of which have a very short time frame for the collection of a very substantial number of accurate voter signatures on petitions that I guarantee you are going to be very carefully scrutinized by your opponents, whether they be Republicans or Democrats, depending uh, on the state. 
Uh, I have to say, in one of the most riveting pieces of television I've ever seen, Sean Hannity seemed to, to strike uh, Robert Kennedy dumbstruck the other night when he confronted him over his past support for Hillary Clinton in 2012, Hillary Clinton in 2016, uh, Barack Obama, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, pointed out that Robert Kennedy once called the National Rifle Association a terrorist group. Uh, and then late last week, Kennedy actually said he was for reparations uh, over slavery. Uh, so to the extent that he was going to steal people from the Trump base based on his skepticism over the war in Ukraine or based on his support for sealing our borders, I think he will now be subjected to much broader scrutiny uh, that means that if he does get on the ballot, and that's a giant if, I think in the end he may take more from Joe Biden or who the Democrats ultimately nominate rather than Donald Trump. I would agree with you on that. And I'd also say that the, the Cornell West candidacy, uh, and again, uh, has a lot of challenges even getting on the ballot in some of these states. Uh, but in states where you have maybe Cornell West and a uh, RFK Jr. as well, I, I think those are going to pull more from Biden. I think that's a real problem, especially when you talk for Cornell West, when you talk about Biden's uh, softness with black American voters. Uh, and again, uh, uh, no black voter is going to forget the, the racial jungle uh, comments that Biden made. Um, what was that some some 30 years ago? Uh, I guess it's 40 years ago now. Uh, it just, you know, Joe Biden has, has had a pretty bumpy record when it comes to um, also the, the crime bill in the 90s, things of that nature. Uh, and Biden has said some, some pretty inflammatory stuff that, uh, guess what, people in certain communities are not going to forget. All right. Many thanks to uh, Jason Miller.